Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt. I am here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. Pastor Todd. Good morning. And Pastor Bonnie. Hey, guys. And uh, this has been working out. We've been doing the podcast over Zoom with all of our gaming headsets. <laughs> but I think the audio has been coming out good. It's been sounding okay. Want to ask you guys this now. We're a couple, uh, really a few weeks into this now. Um, with the quarantine, have you started any new habits? Or maybe have are there any habits that you've broken uh, since the quarantine has started? I don't know. I just want to throw it out at you guys. Where are you at with that stuff? I have totally... Uh kicked my Starbucks habit because uh, I had a really serious one last last April um, and uh, it was like you know two three di- times a day for a while there um, oh wow <laughs> well because I because it was right downstairs from where I was living at the time um, but then uh, and then you know once the summer hit it was down to like maybe you know three times a week and then I kind of dwindled it down to maybe once or twice a week and now it's none and I'm kind of like and I'm learning how to make uh, equivalent beverages at home so I'm kind of uh, thinking that I uh, I'm good with that nice yeah uh, my eating habit has grown exponentially Uh-oh. Uh, I can't really say that I've started any new habits or broken any but I have enhanced some I'll put it that way uh, so needless to say, um, I will have to start a new habit soon uh, if I expect to, you know, wear clothes again to church besides sweatpants. <laughs> so. we, sh- we should make the first Sunday back to church, like put pajama, pajama Sunday or something like that, or sweatpants <laughs> Sunday just for everybody who can't fit into their no, clothes No anymore. zippers required. Yeah, no zippers required. No zippers or buttons required. First, the first month of June. <laughs> nice. How about you, Pastor Jamal? Start anything? Break anything? Try new? Um, <clears throat> I think I've just been uh, reading a whole lot more. Um, just been getting the opportunity to do that. Not really always been a big reader. Audiobooks are more my speed, but um, I've just been having the opportunity to read some books that I've gotten, um, that I've had and kind of sat on a little bit, but, um, it's been good to kind of break into those. So that'd probably be the thing that I've started. Nice. That's a great habit to be, um, starting. I kind of told myself that's what I was going to be doing more when this went down and not really. So, I mean, a little bit, I started a book yesterday that my friend sent me because he sent it to me in January and I didn't start it yet. So I was like, I should start it. You know, but, uh, you know yeah. a, good, a good thing I read a little while ago. Um, so it's a tidbit for anybody out there who who feels like they want to start reading more, but they just feel discouraged or overwhelmed by the task. Um, it was an article. I forget what it was, but it was something like if you if you read fifteen to twenty minutes a day, you end up being able to read like ten to twelve books in a year, or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was something. It was something along those lines. I may not have those figures exactly right, but it was it was pretty much that was pretty much the equivalence. Like, you know, if you only take a half an maybe a half an hour or less a day, you can get through, you know, multiple books in a year. Um, so that's kind of cool to think about, you know, in case you want to take up, you know, being reading more or, you know, if that's something that you're motivated to do. Um, yeah, I don't know if no, that's a I think that's a great idea. Um, and that's, I think that's great motivation. I think mine just kind of was out of birthed out of like a, almost like a need, like I needed to do. Um, Mm -hmm. it's been like quarantine has been interesting, but, um, also hard. And so, uh, but it's also afforded some opportunities. And so in some of those opportunities, I've gotten chances to be on some zoom calls, uh, with people who are, you know, way smarter than me. So it was humbling and then it just kind of maybe also realized like man you know what I should probably be reading more so that I can have something of substance to say as opposed to just being uh you know a prop in a room so like even though that's not necessarily what they were saying it just it feels that way when you're surrounded with a lot of smart people so mm-hmm. um so it was almost like out of a need I guess I was like I need to I need to be reading more so which is good like that's what I keep thinking about is like this is the time that you can really reinvent yourself. Like I've been mm-hmm. thinking like 
this is kind of showing you who you are, the quarantine and how you're responding, how you're reacting. But on the flip side, you have the opportunity to create something new. It, if, yeah, if you've had, you've wanted to change your priorities or change your habits, um, this is really the easiest it will be moving forward. So yeah, like reading is a great example of one. So mm. that's cool. Well, cool. Let's uh, so let's talk about the message for a little bit. Um, we are in week two of Mission Possible. Pastor Jeff's message I thought uh, was great yesterday um, on church, and so it was called "You Can Run But You Can't Hide." And we read it from Jonah chapter one. And it's important with this Mission Possible series that we're thinking outside ourselves, not just kind of staying in our in our minds in our house and just leaving it there that we can still be living on mission so we've talked about global missions supporting local missions so the message was really good and he broke it down into um looking at jonah chapter one he talked about the problem the solution and the results and uh, it was a really great sermon so in the problem um there was there's was a lot there's a lot i had a lot of questions so yeah i wanted to kind of throw them at you guys see what you think for the problem, he kind of started with how Jonah didn't, if you know the story of Jonah, God calls Jonah to um, to go preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah doesn't want to go because he hates them. And he doesn't want to go. It's not because like he's scared or like may, maybe he is, maybe he's afraid of what could happen to him. But it's more of a, of like, he's kind of in the judgment seat thinking that mm-hmm. they don't deserve it. They're, if you read about them, you, you don't read about them in that story all you know is that they're the capital of Assyria, but um, they're like a horrible people group. Like, they, I mean, there's like sacrifice, they sacrifice people, like they're sick. And so Jonah's like, they don't deserve God's mercy. So here's kind of my first question and we'll stay here forever, however long you guys want. Um, I think we give Jonah a hard time for thinking this way. Like what a, what a jerk, like he doesn't want to follow God's will. Cause he, Oh, what is he? It's almost like he's racist or at the very least super judgmental. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Bible's written for us. It's supposed to be a mirror. So we're supposed to look at ourselves. So are there ways that we do that when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to um, maybe following God's call? Like, are, are there people that we can look at? You know, because I, I, I think we say, oh, well, I don't do that. But I think, do you feel like that's true? Do you feel like we do sometimes or we can? What, do you, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think the thing when you're reading through scripture is a lot of times it's easy when we're removed from it to look at it and be like, oh, those guys just didn't get it. Uh, But I think if we're really, really honest with ourselves, um, they're more like us than different than us. And I, I think we can sometimes have the attitude of, well, the gospel's for us sometimes when it comes to a lot of different things, sometimes it's our family, sometimes it's we're watching TV and we see people do things that we either find bizarre or we, or we're kind of like, well, I would never do that. I think sometimes those are the people that we have an attitude with. And I think, uh, be careful how I say this, but I think with us living so close to Lakewood, sometimes we view the people in Lakewood as being, oh, well, you know, they just don't get it. We have the real gospel. You know what? Not just them. I think we do that with other congregations too, other denominations. That sometimes we're like, we have the spirit and they don't. So so to answer your question, I think we're a lot more like Jonah than what we want to admit. Definitely. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, just how we as humans make excuses for anything and everything that God tells us to do, because it's just human nature that um, when people tell us to do something, we just don't want to do it. (laughs) Um, I mean, look at quarantine, you know, the government says like, you guys need to stay home and look, look at all the people rebelling and not obeying. Um, Because it's just human nature that when you're told to do something, you don't want to do it. It's just, that's how we are. Um, And so we'll make excuses. And I think maybe Jonah was just here you know, thinking up a rational excuse for why he didn't want to go and minister. Like, well, this is why I can't go. I'm not going to go to these people because they're X, Y, and Z. This is why I'm not going to obey God because, 
they don't deserve it because you know these people are you know unworthy um but i think we all do that as humans as and when god commands us to do something we try to rationalize our way out of it because we just our first inclination is a lot of times just not to want to obey yeah i think that um so just kind of looking at the question here and i think the question is do we um are there examples of people groups um, or that we as believers might feel deserve to die or shouldn't be saved? Mm-hmm. My initial response to that is no. I mm-hmm. think if you are, and the, this is, I'm going to, this is my personal opinion. I think that if you ask Christians, do they believe in people groups of people that do not deserve to hear the gospel or to be saved? They're going to tell you no, mm-hmm. because they understand that as a Christian, for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth, that's, that is essential to what you believe. If you are going to ask them, do they believe that people, you know, deserve to hear God or get close to God? They're going to, they're going to say, absolutely. Yes. I think where, and I'm just taking it to the deeper level in my, from my lens, this is my personal opinion. If you want to take a deeper look into what you really believe about people and missions, you'll look at your prejudices. Mm-hmm. Your prejudices oftentimes are the thing that reveal what you really believe about a people group or what you really believe about how far the gospel should go or how far God's grace should go towards that people. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm saying that in that language because when we're talking about <clears throat> the gospel reaching all people, it's easy. But when we're talking about our disposition towards people groups through biases and prejudices, those are done in more, way more subtle ways, mm. way more not so on the yeah. surface ways. And oftentimes people will gather in a, in a church building, say they love God, and then in private spaces have opinions and commentary about people groups that do not line up with the God that they just worshiped in a building. So I think that it is very important in this particular sense, when you ask that question, Matt, that we dissect it and take it just a little bit deeper and say, do you believe this in your private spaces and the way that you talk about people when nobody else is watching? Or if you're in an echo chamber of people who are like you, both politically, um, financially, demographically, it's really easy in those spaces to then come up with a point of view and and to paint it as, well, I do believe this, but, and then say a specific comment about a specific type of people. Yeah. So I'm just going to be, this again, my personal opinion. I think that um, when you put this question here, Matt, and you said, you know, uh, we can give Jonah a hard time for thinking this way, almost being racist uh, at the, or at the very least, extremely judgmental. I look at that and I say, well, ironically, I believe that there are people within the body of Christ who are racist, who wouldn't label themselves as being mm-hmm. racist, but their prejudices and the way they talk about people in those private spaces or in their comfortable spaces, I'm putting air quotes for those of you guys who can't see me, um, they are revealing really truthfully in their heart that they might be in fact racist or at least prejudiced towards people groups uh for whatever reason um Mm -hmm. and i do i do think that that is extremely problematic so um to to answer your other question to that you know when you say that the bible is a mirror right yeah in that regards it does you know reveal our hearts right that's what hebrews tells us right it's living and active sharper than any double-edged sword right uh pierces to the very soul right and like Mm -hmm. it's able to read us in ways uh that very few things can and so the scriptures illuminate within us um essentially our necessity for jesus and for him to deliver us uh, from the wickedness within. So, absolutely. Like, I think a summary of that would be the difference between our head theology and our actual functioning theology. Hmm. Like, I don't think anybody would ever say their theology is, oh, yeah, God is only for certain people. Hmm. But I think when it comes down to those street moments, mm-hmm. rubber meets the road moments, then oftentimes what we, what leaks out is what we really believe and not necessarily what we are our cleaned up image of what we believe mm. 
you know, and I think that's kind of what Pastor Jamal's kind of getting at. Like we can say one thing mm -hmm. and really say that we believe it. But I think when it comes down to what we do, I think that's when you really begin to see what people really do believe. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I'm just, so I just want to be very, because I think that I'm trying to be amb ambiguous, but I'm just going to be real blunt here. I think the way that do we it, man. treat, I think the way we treat um, our, our fellow brothers and sisters, uh, let's just talk humanity. Like I'm not even going to talk, I'm not even going to talk specifically believers. I'm going to talk mm. human, right? Like mm -hmm. as human beings, the way we treat the Asian community right now, like mm. is absolutely like preach it. Some of the stuff that I've seen come from the evangelical corners about the Asian community, absolutely Dude. abhorrent. Like that mm. cannot be part of your language in any way, shape, or form if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, absolutely, there is no room for that. Like, yeah. no way, shape, or form. Uh, I think that the way that, um, we, the church, speak about LGBTQ community. I, listen, yep. I understand the layers that are there and the, the different opinions that are flying about, but that should not warrant you or give you license to speak about a group of people as if they don't have inerrant value, or excuse me, inherent value because they are created in the image of God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For that. And um, I, think, I think I brought this up. I feel like we actually once talked about this, Pastor Jamal, you and I, or maybe, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but I said that about when it came to abortion. And I know that's complicated, not trying to like super unpack a box, but you know, we can feel very passionate that uh, about being pro-life for absolutely the right reasons, but we can become so, uh, it, that, that, that um, discussion becomes so toxic that we can forget that the person who disagrees with us also has value. It's almost yeah. like, they don't have any value because they dis because they don't understand the value of a human being. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it becomes so toxic. I think it's a tendency sometimes for us as Christians to build a bubble around ourselves and, you know, our bubble of ideals and our bubble of, of our theology and our bubbles of our beliefs and, and anything that pokes a hole in that bubble that, you know, will leak the air out is then we put our defenses up and, and the defenses are, are, unfortunately to not act like a christian but to a lot of times speak and act um in ways that don't reflect christ's character but the truth of the matter is christ died for everyone god created humanity and christ died for everyone every single human being on the planet is created by god has has um value to god has purpose to god um whether they're a believer or not god has it all in his hand and 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 under his eye and uses everyone for his purpose and his plan to the end um and and to not to to not see our fellow man as god's creation and as valuable to god um it's 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 awful. <laughs> well, I think Pastor Jamal, uh, you said it in the past, and Pastor Todd, you said it today. That I, it um, was interesting to me that you used the words that sometimes we can feel like the gospel is just for us or mm -hmm. Jesus is just for us. And I just think that's like a really great point. And again, we don't always mean to do it. That's what we're saying is probably anybody listening, anyone who calls themselves a Christian would check the box mentally, like you said, Pastor Todd. Um, God's for all people. Of course, I believe that. But on the practical level, um, or on a functional level, do we believe that? But kind of my point with saying that the Bible's a mirror is that's the point of it. So the Bible exposes these things in you. Okay, so if the Bible exposes that you say, I believe God's for all people, and then exposes that you, you don't live that way, though, or you don't think that way. Um, and it's an opportunity for change, though. It's not... Um, you know, that, that's the point of God's word is to impact us that way. Mm -hmm. And so maybe to think of it in those terms, I think, I think in different ways, we all can be doing that some more than others. Absolutely. And uh, those examples you're giving Pastor Jamal, you're right on the money. Mm -hmm. So, but the good thing is that's the point of God's word. That's the point of the story of Jonah is to look at it. It ends I wouldn't say a cliffhanger, but it doesn't, it's not really resolved. Like mm -hmm. his story with God is not resolved. 
because I'm supposed to think of my story now with God. Am I going to leave it the same way that Jonah left it? Am I going to have the same attitude as Jonah has? I don't have to. It's my decision. Do I want God to continue to work on my heart or am I kind of good? You know, and even serving God, right. The story of Jonah in that way, even serving God, isn't enough. Like, Oh, well, I did what you said, God. Well, you see the bitterness in his heart doing what God tells you to do. It's, it's not that too. He's trying to work on you. So some really great thoughts guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, uh, let's kind of go here. So he talked about the problem and, and yeah, again, great discussion on Jonah um, didn't want to go. And Pastor Bonnie, I think you brought up a good point as well, that sometimes it could also simply be his excuse, which is what we do. It could be his justification for just not wanting to do it. I don't want to go. I'm comfortable in my house. And maybe that's his justification even. Um, so I just had this thought occur to me as Pastor Jeff said this. He had, he was really great. He said that a uh, life lesson that he's learned is that we never sin alone. Um, Others suffer because of our sins, which is so good. And I mean, we could talk about that. But I kind of thought this to myself in the context of the story, though. Right. They're in a storm. That was one of the problems. And it's because of Jonah's sin. But you could almost be like, wait a minute, though. Who causes the storm? Jonah had no power over the storm. Wasn't it God? Didn't God cause it? I mean, couldn't God have just given him leprosy or something and left it at that? Like, isn't God? Couldn't you blame God in a way that these guys, Jonah's sin, did it really cause it? Um, I don't know if you guys had a thought on that or not. Obviously, I would agree with um, that, that you, you, we never sin alone. But I just kind of, that kind of crossed my mind as I was listening. The, oh, sorry. Were you gonna, no, go ahead. Um, when Pastor Jeff made this point, uh, I, agreed, I agreed with him. The, the story that came to my mind was when David took, a, took the census. He took a census in Second Samuel. Um, he took a census. Took a census when God told him not to, um, and it was. I mean, just straight up, flat out. God was like, "Don't do this." He did it anyway, and ev- the plague came on everybody. And it was like, I mean, that's the living lesson right there. Like as a leader, like for him, like the way you go about your relationship with God can affect other people to the point where all these. Pe- all his people got plagued. People died. People died because David decided he wanted to do opposite of what the Lord had told him. Uh, and I think that when we when we think about when we think about our lives, we need to think about it, especially as believers, in the ideas of leadership. Like you are leading and influencing people uh, in multiple different ways, and the way that you go about that matters. You know, the way that you lead your home matters. The way that you know you go about those things are important and very much so if you are moving outside of God's will um, if you're moving outside of God's will in that regards man you're putting a lot of other people who put their trust in you as a leader um, who are coming underneath you and, and trusting for your guidance you're putting them at jeopardy so you you need to have all your ducks in a row and it can be easy to say it can be easy to say well God caused this um and say you know like it's it's god's fault but in reality um i think if we are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth i believe that there's a responsibility on us to bring blessing wherever we go um you know i think about the lord's prayer it says you know uh, your king your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven when I see us as believers, I see us as agents of the kingdom, able to take and bring um, those things, those blessings from the kingdom of God to wherever we go. So as, as grand, and, and that's the thing, everybody wants blessings, right? Like everybody wants blessings. Like that's a, that's the thing. Everyone's like hashtag blessings. That's a hashtag on so many social media platforms. You know what's not a hashtag on social media platforms? Hashtag uh, my sin is your sin. That's not a hashtag. <laughs> hashtag Cause accountability. Because nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. But everybody wants blessing. Uh, and I think it would be arrogant of us to think that um, the weight of the blessing of God, right? Um, and and the weight of sinning before God aren't the same. I, this is me, again, personal opinion. I believe both of those things hold weight in ways that sometimes we don't always 
fully understand um, or comprehend. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, I love what you said too about how um, we need, as Christians, we need to see ourselves uh, as leaders with influence. What is leadership? Leadership is influence. That's what, if you read or study leadership, that's what it boils down to. And as a Christian, you have influence, makes you a, a leader. So all of your decisions matter. And even like what you said, Pastor Jamal, obviously is my question about like, oh, is it God's fault or something? I think of, uh, we just watched Infinity War with the young adults who did Netflix party. And if you know the movie or not, I don't know how well you know it, but Spider-Man, he's on the spaceship with Tony Stark. And then he's like, yo, I told you not to be here. Like, you're not supposed to be here, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, but I, I came. And then he's like, well, technically, like, you gave me the suit. So, I mean, like, really, it's your fault that I'm here. And then he's like, what did you say? He's like, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't, I didn't mean it. <laughs> <But> I'm like, <laughs> I feel like it's just kind of accurate. Yeah. So, so yeah. sometimes how we talk to God or talk to our authority figures in our life, you know, yeah. sometimes we do that too. But. And uh, like sometimes when we talk about, you know, as a Christian, you're a leader, you're a leader, we think about with others. But if you really want to bring it down to home, uh, let's consider if you're a believer, you're a leader in your own home. Mm -hmm. And where I see this really playing now is as a children's pastor, uh, watching how parents influence their kids mm -hmm. uh, and the long lasting effect that a lot of times that has in parents who put their faith as an important thing, how that influences their kids and parents who have faith where they pick and choose and how that influences kids. So I think this is another example where um, our sin and our spiritual life does flow and influence others. And sometimes it's easy to think about it as, oh, my job or my neighbors. But really, one of the places where it has the biggest effect is within our own families, how we live for God affects how our kids grow and develop and understand their own faith. Absolutely. And I, I would say that to parents um, in youth group, I would say, you know, you're the number one influencer of your child. Like, you know, according to the schedule, I have like an hour and a half with your student. Now I'm trying to hang out with them after I'm trying to text them. That's if they go every week, which they usually didn't. So it's like, you know, the, people sometimes have the attitude of like, let me bring, bring my kid to the church. Let me bring my kid to the youth pastor. Let me bring my kid here. Oh, can you help them? He's making bad decisions. Can you blah, blah. And like you're saying, Pastor Todd, you're the number one influencer in your home. And so like Pastor Jeff said, you know, you never sin alone. My, never, my actions are never alone. So that it will affect our families, our spouses, our children. And it's so important. Um, to, to know that and understand our role that way. Along that same vein, just a, just a thought and a note, um, while everybody is, you know, in this quarantine situation, while families are together and, you know, it, the quarantine situation is truly revealing everyone's true colors, um, especially in a family environment. Um, but just speaking to parents that I really believe that if your children are old enough to, you know, comprehend and understand and have an intelligent conversation with you, um, and if you feel like you maybe have not been the best influence and maybe on them um, spiritually, and maybe God has been revealing some of those things to you, um, that it's okay to sit down and have a conversation with your children about how, listen, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I messed up in these areas and, you know, and this is where we as a family fall short and trying to bring those, some of those things to light as a family and sitting down and having discussions about those things and um, trying to work together as a family to improve upon those things as a family to, to make your, to help your under children understand the process of sanctification, you know, that, that, that we're not just because we believe in Jesus upon salvation, we're not perfect. Um, but but God is continually perfecting us and perfecting his image in us. And so there's so many times where we fall short of that, but to sit down and have those conversations and say, listen, you know, I fell short here. Um, or maybe, you know, we've all fallen short here as a family. Let's try to work on this, you know, biblical, um, 
lesson or this biblical quality or, or whatever, you know, it is that you see lacking in your family. Let's try to work on this together um, as a family and, and keep each other accountable as we move forward. Yeah, which um, sometimes it's as simple. That's a great point, Pastor Bonnie. And sometimes it simply means I'm saying I'm sorry, things like that with your spouse, with your children even. I mean, like, instead of right, like you're saying, like, I mean, growing up that everything that we do is right, whatever. You, you said it so well, but that, that would be my other two cents, I guess, on it. Sometimes it just means, hey, you know what? Um, I'm sorry that I freaked out on you when you said that. You know, or, or I'm so, I was having a bad day and it was wrong of me to do that. It doesn't mean you need to be apologetic as a parent all the time, but right. sometimes maybe it's, it's that simple. And if your kids can understand that early, hey, we're all trying to get it right. We're all trying to follow Jesus. God is making us all more like him. That's so healthy for your student, your student, <laughs> Sorry, again, youth yeah. group for your yeah. kid to, to know and understand. So I wanted to ask you guys this. So the, we talked a little bit about the problem that Pastor Jeff was bringing up, this kind of first part of the message. Then he goes to the solution, and he said the solution was the sailors took action after praying. That was one of those solutions, that sailors took action after praying. Now, specifically, they casted lots. Um, and it was cool. Pastor Jeff actually talked a little bit about that, like kind of we read that in the Bible. What does that mean? So he kind of broke it down a little bit, what that could mean. People have different opinions. But I wanted to throw this at you guys, you know, um, do we do that today in church? Do we do a form of this in church in certain spaces? Uh, should we, should we not? I mean, I just read the other day when, uh, uh, and actually we were just talking about Judas, right? And he, so he, um, hung himself and the disciples, the apostles decided to replace him. They picked men of godly character, blah, blah, blah. And then they casted lots The lots fell on this guy. He's the new guy. And that's how it works. So, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Is that in some ways, is it just like drawing straws and it's that simple? You just pray about it and now it's divinely inspired. Is it just reporting an event? Should we do this more? Do maybe we do do it in church. What do you guys have to say about that? Would like a modern day version of that be like when we vote for board members, you know, it's not necessarily the same as throwing out dice or whatever, but in some ways we still, there's a lot of like, depending on that, everyone is hearing from God in that process. Uh, that's the only like modern day equivalent I can think of is how we function in the church with that. Um, maybe sometimes how we're like, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe uh, I honestly, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. If you guys have other thoughts. I just was thinking that uh, our recent district meetings would have gone a whole lot quicker if we just cast lots for voting. and. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. um, but but yeah when i was re when i read any accounts like this i do think of gambling and it's it is weird and i think i think maybe that has system probably has left the church because of all the negative connotations of gambling but essentially yeah um i mean we do vote uh we do when we nominate you know in our business of the church um and district-wide we you know people get nominated um based on their credentials and you know um things like that but then ultimately the voting is done by the people you know um and i think it is you know it, it is hopefully it is um not just credential based but also you know divinely inspired because by who you know we believe that god is leading us to vote for um yeah i mean i know some churches do um do certain like deacon positions that way so maybe not I don't know. I guess it may depend on the church, but if it's like an elder role, maybe it's whatever, like, yeah, you start with those credentials, the qualifications listed in the new Testament about what a deacon or elder should be um, a person of godly character. And then, uh, you know, some churches may actually do it that way. I, I, you know, I'm thinking of a couple. So actually, as I was writing that question, I'm like, we don't even do this today. And then I'm like, well, actually, no, in some spaces we do. But it's just interesting to me that it comes up in scripture and on the daily. I don't think we really do that, but I guess they didn't either back then. We do it for Father's Day and Mother's Day when we're giving out flowers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, uh, I was just going to say VBS, <laughs> VBS prizes. We uh, pull names out of the hat. Yeah. Casting of lots. This is, yep. I didn't get it. I don't know. It's divinely inspired. No. Yeah. All right. I, I just wanted to ask you guys that just again, kind of crossed my mind when I listen. 
Well, this is one of the best quotes Pastor Jeff shared. He said it was a friend on Facebook uh, that he's friends with that shared it. He talked about how um, it's easy to act like a Christian, but it's hard to react like a Christian. And he was saying that because Jonah, he said, hey, like when the lots fell on him, he's like, look, all right, I'm a Hebrew, you know, and he kind of talked about, hey, so he wasn't acting like someone who followed God. And for us as Christians, that's so huge for us. Hey, behave like a Christian. It's important. Um, but then he kind of threw that in there as well. You know what, though? It can be easy to act like a Christian. It's not, it's not easy to react like a Christian. Um, so I just want to discuss, do you guys agree with that? Why or why not? Also, what's the difference? Is that an important distinction to make? How can we better react like one? Just want to hear what you guys thought about that. When I don't know if this really answers the specific question you're asking, but when he said that, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, and I think I've said it before, but an example, if you take a water bottle and you hit the water bottle, water comes out. Why? Because I hit it? No, because water was in it. So what was in it came out. So I think sometimes the reason why it's real easy to act like a Christian is because we know how to say the right answers. And I think it's very similar to what we said earlier, where we are very good with knowing what we're supposed to believe. But I think when the pressure comes on, what's really going on in our heart comes out. So I think, um, here's an example. Um, <clears throat> I was talking with a family member and he had said, oh, I was so surprised by what, and he said a friend from church had put on Facebook because they never talk like that when they're at church. And that's the thing. I think we're really, really good at having the right Christian answer. But then when the pressure comes out, um, what is then going on in our heart kind of leaks out in our responses. And I think that's why sometimes it's easy to act like a Christian, but when the, when the vice gets cranked down on us, what's really going on in our heart comes out. And so I think the issue isn't that, well, we just have to try to react better necessarily because that's all about outward stuff. I think it comes down to, well, how do I, how I reacted in this, what does that say about what's going on in my heart and how do I deal with that? Or how do I, bring that before God or repent. I think that's really the greater issue is not just trying to have a more polished response. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I can actually have a question about your example, Pastor Todd, because I think I've heard that example before. Like, you know, when you talk about a water bottle um, and you hit it, like, why did water come out? It's because there's water in the bottle. I always never really was on board with that example because it's a both and answer to me because I think it's the water comes out because you hit it and because there's water in the bottle. Like, I think there are like a couple layers to that. And so I'm, I'm always interested about like, maybe how do you kind of like resolve that aspect of the example when it comes to sometimes situations and circumstances like this? Well, the reason why water came out is because water was inside and i think the whole point of that is sometimes when people get angry they'll say nasty stuff and then they'll be like oh i didn't really mean that but you did mean it it's just the pressure caused it to come out and you weren't able to keep your poise enough to keep that thing in check so i think when people use that example they're they're the issue really isn't about the pressure because there's always going to be some kind of pressure whether it's the pressure from this situation, whether it's the pressure from another situation, I think it's more about when you get upset, like that water came out. Well, that's because water is what was inside. I think that's more the focus of that illustration. Yes, there was pressure, but there's always going to be some kind of pressure, whether it's the pressure from my neighbors, the pressure from my family, the pressure from my wife, the pressure from, from my coworkers, the pressure of finances. There's always going to be some kind of pressure. But when it comes out, the reason why it was water and not Kool-Aid is because I've had water in me and not Kool-Aid in me. Which I guess to go along with that, it's like what you could do is say, well, I reacted like that because I got hit, because I had pressure. That's why that came out of me. But the, I guess the point of the illustration is, well, it's what caused it to come out of you, but it's not why it came out of you. Like if, if that's a distinction, like it was, it was in you. Yeah, it's because whatever. I'm gonna repeat myself. So right. I, I, that and, makes and sense. I, 
I think like a lot of times the, the real life example of that is when you get mad and something comes out of you and whether it be violence, whether it be language, whether it be saying nasty stuff like, oh, you're so stupid or whatever, those things come out and we're always like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. I was just angry. Right. But I think the reality is it came out because that's really what you have and that's really what you believe. And all the pressure did was maybe wear down your ability to have the polished response so that what was really filter. happening came out. Yeah, it, it, the pressure broke your filter. Exactly. Yeah, I was going well, to say the, um, the verse that comes to mind is Matthew twelve thirty four. I had to look it up to make sure I was reading, I was thinking about it, right? But um, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and then he, in verse 34, he says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, you know, I mean, you can be angry and still respond in, in a way that is constructive and moves the argument forward versus in a way that puts the other person down and really is degrading and demeaning uh, and destructive. It's just a matter of what's in your heart. And I think, um, again, it comes down to the filter. Um, but, but acting and reacting is exactly that. Like acting as a Christian is exactly that we're acting. It's not really necessarily who we are, right? When we react, that's who we are. Um, that's who we are deep down inside. And, um, and how we react is based on what we're full of. If you're full of the spirit, then you're going to react in a spiritual way um, that is filtered through how God wants you to, to handle the situation versus if you're reacting in, you know, full of, of your flesh and, and of, of self um, and of those things, then that's what's going to pour forth. I have some yeah. thoughts, but yeah, I see Pastor Jamal, you kind of wheels are turning. So I want to see what, yeah, what you have I to think say. That, because I think that I, I'm not saying that I'm in disagreement. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm in disagreement about is the way that I think sometimes we give those answers to people when they are in those moments of crisis. I mm. don't think that we are always like, I agree with you. Like in, in terms of like, I think pastor Bonnie, you said it very eloquently. We react because that's what's in us. And, you know, pastor Todd, you said similar. I think sometimes though in moments of crisis or when, at least for us as believers, we, I think sometimes neg not negate, um, I get it. We don't put as much stock into the pressure or the crisis that people are going through. And I think that um, in sometimes bypassing that, I think we lose the ability to speak to the deeper issue. And I, so I guess when I, when I bring up like, you know, pushing back on the example, it's because I think that it's easy for us to say, well, that's not the main issue. And we get straight down to the, here's the main issue. And I think that that may be sometimes like um you know, I don't know, personality types or whatever. Uh, but I like to peel back the layers like one at a time, because I think sometimes when we do that, we allow people to process and we give them the freedom and the power to come to the conclusion sometimes themselves. And I think that sometimes that's way more liberating than us going straight to saying, hey, well, here's your issue. Um, <laughs> right. Like, so I think that yeah, sometimes when we use those examples, and I'm not saying it's a bad example, mm -hmm. I'm saying that I think maybe processing the example in steps and layers sometimes will be of more benefit than just saying, well, here's the boom, 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 pow. You know, does that make sense when I say that? Yes, and I think I that's, I was going to say, so I think that sometimes, especially, and this is just, I'm just being honest, right? Sometimes in Christian spaces and Christian circles, we just want to move on to the next thing. We say, yeah. all right, well, well, here's your thing. Boom. Here's the scripture. Hey, read, pray, pray this, read about this. And then boom, boom, pow, go on about it as opposed to sometimes just taking the time to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I could see how that could be an issue. And then maybe saying, is there, are there other things that maybe could be the reason why water came out? Like, do you understand what I'm saying when I say that, Pastor mm -hmm. Todd? Yeah. yeah, but I think, I think the differences within that is our first reaction typically when somebody does something is we blame others. Mm our first reaction often isn't to look at ourselves. Right. And so I think that that's, that's why that's a great illustration because if our first reaction is, 
well, why did this happen to me? Well, it's because you did this to me. Mm. I think that's our more natural reaction to stuff. It's not to slow down and be like, okay, well, you know, I did, I reacted this way because I had this going on inside of me. I think the reaction is, well, the reason why I was nasty is because you took something from me or the reason why I was nasty is because you didn't respect me or the reason why I responded in anger and I hit you is because you were messing with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or whatever. And I think it's our natural reaction is to always look external. And I think <laughs> that's why we need help to consider what's going on internally. Yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say real quick, I just see both, I both all the part of the same process. I think that we're both saying, and Pastor Jamal, I hear what you're saying too about, um, you know, like, like if somebody's in that situation and we give them that example of like the water bottle and, but then, and then be, and see like, see, that's what's going on with you. But then all they, all they feel is, well, now, now this is, now I'm just wrong all in me. And, you know, I don't know how to move forward from here rather than, rather than kind of coax them along to come to that realization themselves of what the heart issue is because a lot of times we're so quick to tell people what their heart issue is instead of kind of guiding them along in a conversation to help them see what their heart issue is am, am i like I, that's kind of i feel like what you were saying pastor jamal is that no yeah that is what i'm saying and, yeah. and i'm and, and, I, and i just want to be clear i'm guilty of that like oh, i'm yeah. so guilty of being like oh well this is what the Bible says, why is this a problem? Like, you know, and sometimes I've seen students kind of respond like, well, you're not lit, you don't hear me. And I've, and I have found more success, you know, hearing, like hearing their side and then leading them to the, the answer as opposed to like, just being like, nah, here, boom, boom, pow. Um, yeah. So th that's the reason why I throw that out there is because like, I know that I'm guilty of that. But I also, you know, the way you, said that though pastor todd like about like the uh reactionary response is to look at to external um you know like to put past blame no you're that's 100 that's true you know yeah right but i think that you know it's interesting too is like i think you have a unique perspective on that pastor todd because you're you're dealing with kids so you that's you see that all <laughs> the time right like kids immediately like you know like especially like it's the most like grandiose not grandiose but like crazy situations and circumstances like i stole this because they you know like this happened or whatever mm -hmm. um and and they're immediately well like no like if they wouldn't have done this i wouldn't have stole this and you're like wait what no that doesn't make yeah. any the, sense but you wanted my, it and decided you could break the rules it has yeah. nothing to well, do with sammy over there yeah right. my favorite thing is when kids come they told me i was mean well were you being mean you know, like that sometimes right. is like, <laughs> yeah, you've well, said that one you want before. me to go stop them saying, you want me to go tell them to stop being mean to you. But the question is, were you mean? Right. <laughs> you know, we often don't want to answer that question. We just want to answer what to the question if somebody called me mean, uh -huh. you know, so, and, and, but I, I, and I think there's truth in the fact that you don't start a conversation out by saying, here's everything that's wrong with you. Right. And I don't think anyone would ever kind of think that that's wisdom. Mm -hmm. Well, right. And I, I almost, th this isn't the heart of the question, but with based off the discussion, I'm thinking you could listen to this. There are people who do look at inside for the blame for everything, where sometimes that's unhealthy too. Like, mm. why isn't this working out? Why, you know, why this, why that? Why hasn't God answered my prayer? Why, why do I, am I struggling in this relationship? It's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. And that's the other side, which, you know, Again, we're, I think we're coming at it from a different angle of a lot of times we don't want to look inside when God's trying to expose something in our heart. But you could go the other way too, is what I'm just pointing out. Right, and absolutely. And there are people who do that. And there are definitely people who all they do is have like a morbid sense of looking at themselves and saying everything is my fault. Everything's, And that's not beneficial either because right. then you can't move forward you're stuck at a spot and i think um you know talking about the gods thing again when we get back to how the sailors they were praying to whatever god they could pray for and whatever um part of it is sometimes we desire to be our own god mm. you know and we usually never really acknowledge that sometimes we think we can do it better than god or whatever uh, and i think <clears throat> you know just trying to connect it back to jonah i think um, I think that sometimes is a very real thing that like when stuff is happening around us, 
we may not call out to one of the pagans gods, but we may call out to ourselves that I got to handle this. I got to do it. You know, that's um, really good. That's really good. Yeah. 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 We may not call out to right. One of the gods they prayed to, but we can call out to ourselves or to other things that are functioning as lowercase G gods. Food. Absolutely. <laughs> Food. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> Well, there's uh, there's more we could say about that, actually. But I, th- I think let's keep going so we're not going over too long. I guess so there's two probably just bigger thoughts I just want to hit with you guys um, before we wrap up. So Pastor Jeff talked about the problem, the solution, and then the results, which are really cool. Obviously, the results, the lives of the sailors coming to know the one true God, huge, and how God can use anything. Think of Romans 8.28. But I just want to ask this. So he talked about, one of the results is we see the mercy of God and how the giant fish swallowed Jonah. You know, he didn't kill Jonah. He swallowed him. Jonah kind of got it together and he kind of still goes about his mission. But I feel like, how can we not talk about, did that really happen? I mean, like mm-hmm. a giant fish, you know, some circles would be like, oh yeah, like a whale swallowed Jonah. It wasn't a whale. It was a giant fish. Like, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Like, well, I still haven't seen that one around. Like, how should we really be understanding this um, today? maybe even other passages that feel kind of far-fetched like in this way is it really just a spiritual lesson don't really ask a question is it like literally true i i just think like how can you not anybody who's like listening to this honestly has to ask that question i think Mm -hmm. if you talk about the story what are you guys thoughts on that my initial thought is that miracles aren't foreign to the bible so, you know, for the the idea that Jonah being swallowed by a fish, that doesn't that's not far fetched to me because we see uh, miracles taking place um, all throughout Scripture, you know, both Old Testament and New Testament. And so um, it'd be kind of funky to say, oh, I believe in miracles, except that one, you know, like I just feel like that. Then you're kind of uh, putting yourself in an in a awkward space. Um, I think that um, also when it comes to um whether or not it happens today um you know this particular miracle may may be um specific to this story it's not normative it's not like god is waiting for the next person to uh be uh thrusted off the side of a boat uh to then be swallowed by a fish you know that's not necessarily uh how that works but i think ultimately um the you know i believe that this miracle is part of the story, but it's not the main focus of the story. And I don't, you know, I don't think we should get so locked into the fact that this took place. Um, I think that we should get more locked into, um, you know, what God was trying to communicate about himself uh, through this story. Um, And I also thought that, um, I think Pastor Jeff mentioned this in his message yesterday um, about just one of some of the reasons why, you know, like, Jonah got thrown overboard or why Jonah, you know, even suggested that he be thrown overboard. I'm wondering, this is a question that he didn't answer, or I don't think any other commentator answers, but I'm wondering if Jonah um, offering to be thrown overboard is his another, another attempt by him to just kind of get away from what he's supposed to do. Um, And the reason I say that is because um, he's not offering himself to be thrown overboard to be, because he's repentant. He doesn't repent Mm -hmm. until he's in the, belly of the fish Mm. and so i think like in this particular space you see him saying well why don't you just throw me overboard because i think in his mind this is me inferring on scripture you're not supposed to do this um but i'm thinking in my my mind like he probably said to himself well i can't god's trying to get me to go here but he can't do that if i'm dead and so he's like all right throw me overboard." uh tells you how much he didn't want to do it or believe that they shouldn't hear whatever yeah right only to be only to be you know swallowed up by a fish which then ultimately and i know we'll get to this um but if if he was so willing to throw his life away to not do what god has called him to do um and yet god still was like no i i have a purpose in this um it shows how much god cares you know Mm -hmm. about the gospel or you know the message of who he is uh being uh sent out which I, I don't know if I could say gospel because this is Old Testament. So I don't know if that really message. Yeah. Well, for, for our purposes and why Pastor Jeff's talking about it in Mission yeah. Possible series. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's still the good news of, of God's uh, forgiveness, even in the story. 
that's that's you know i mean i think what you say is so true and also i think um you, you know like like you said um does it happen today like i'm, I'm thinking like sometimes w what we try to do in these christian circles is like justify these things so like there'll be articles passed around of like a girl who survived for three days in a fish in like norway somewhere and it's mm. like completely fake like i just and i I like hate that stuff. Mm -hmm. It bothers me so mm -hmm. much because then, like, anybody with a mind is like, "Well, what was the fish called?" Like, you know, who is this girl? Can we talk to her? Why isn't this on the news? Like, you know, and it's silly sometimes. But Pastor mm -hmm. Todd, you look. You did you have a thought you were going to share? I had I had two thoughts. Uh, I don't. First one is just: Do you find it ironic that Jonah didn't want God to go speak to his people who were performing like human sacrifices or whatever? But his first thing is, oh, well, I'll sacrifice myself to make oh, it feel true. better. <laughs> you know, like, like you're doing the very thing that the pagans, uh, I'm not saying that's a biblical. I just, that was like one of the thoughts that popped in yeah. my head about that was like, how ironic. The, the second thing that I thought to myself, just back to the originally, like, if it was a whale, was it a fish? Could it really happen? God called animals two by two from all over the world to come to Noah. That's right. God had a donkey speak. Mm. I mean, this is not the first time that God did something miraculous, you know, along with Pastor Jamal, we're talking about the Bible's full of miracles. This is not the first time that God used animals to do something, which if you think about it, is pretty incredible. Like sometimes, sometimes we think, maybe this goes back to the idea that the gospel's for us and not for them. Like sometimes we think about how God, God, I, I you know, me, I'm so important to God's plan. I'm so important to God's plan. But and not saying that he doesn't want to use this, but but God uses whatever he chooses to use. Mm -hmm. And if it be a donkey, it's a donkey. If it be a fish, it's a fish. And and like God, God do what God do. <laughs> yeah. And whatever he chooses to use, he he also desires desires for his glory to be spread, not to and to share, be shared. And so like so my thought in this was yes i mean yes the sailors saw the the storm immediately stop right so that's one miracle and one story that they have to 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 share among their sailor buddies and you know all the towns and stuff that they're going that's one story that they're telling but then i'm thinking did they see the fish because they were still out there in the ocean i wonder like i mean jonah couldn't have survived in the water for too long before he was swallowed so like i'm wondering did they see that big fish come up and grab him um you know, was that something that was that another part of their story that they went and told like this huge fish came and or, 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 you know, when Jonah landed in Nineveh, you know, could there have been one of the sailors that he was sailing with or could they have already could the story of his of his being thrown overboard have preceded him and then now they see this man who was thrown overboard like you're alive like how are you still alive, you know oh, well, I was, God sent a fish to swallow me, you know, kept me there for three days and now sent me back to you. And like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, so, you know, God, God's story is, is, is out there to be spread and told. And, you know, with all the, with all the details and, and everything. That's a great point. And it actually leads into this kind of last thing I wanted to hit before we wrap up, but I, I just want to say this before we go there. Um, those are great answers, guys. Totally hitting on the money. I just like to think a lot of times from that apologetic standpoint of like somebody who could think critically about it or again, just challenge sometimes our belief. Sometimes we we're so familiar with stories that it's, it's unquestionable. And sometimes it's like, I think it's good to get it, get out of the, when we know it so well, but, um, and fun facts. So kind of going on that, um, that vein of thought pastor Todd the story you bring up of Balaam and the donkey that spoke again this just for me I just think this is cool upon doing research on that story Balaam w was like a basically like a witch doctor an animal whisperer and so God spoke to him in a way that like made sense to him like that's what he did you can argue whether or not he really did hear from animals in the past but at least the guy thought he did he wasn't he wasn't like one of the like true followers of God he wasn't an Israelite but then God speaks to him through his donkey. Mm. It's like, it made sense to him. Like, and, and he recognized the true, the one true God in that story and everything. But I'm just saying like, for me, sometimes um, it, when you, when you hear some more of that context, it um, makes sense. And the last thing I want to say too, about the story of Jonah, even 
is Jesus's view of the story. Jesus references the story of Jonah. And like he says about himself, he, and Pastor Jeff pointed this out, that he, there's all these parallels to Christ in the story. Jesus himself said, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, foreshadowing his death. And so even if you do have a hard time, I, I feel like it's okay if you have a hard time saying like, oh man, this is, I mean, I believe it's in the Bible, but it seems kind of a lot. Well, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he seemed to believe that this was the real deal. That was his view. And mm -hmm. if you believe in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, I'm going with what Jesus says. Again, just from that apologetics standpoint, um, mm. going off what I mentioned last week, Pastor Bonnie, like I feel like I wrestled through some of this, like, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, if you really believe Jesus rose from the dead, if, the, if you believe that, then you, you follow Jesus. Okay, what was Jesus' view of the Old Testament scriptures? What was his view of the Old Testament stories? He believed they were true. So if right. I follow Jesus, I follow what he thinks about X, Y, and Z. Right. So if that makes sense where my thinking was on that question. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So here's the last question for us as we wrap up. Pastor Bonnie, like you said. It was so good about the sailors and who knows what if they saw the fish, what if they ran into Jonah later mm -hmm. and they have this incredible story to tell, like pastor Jeff pointed out. And you actually uh, commented this in, in the, um, on Facebook live, you said the difference between Jonah chapter one, verse six versus verse 16 is right. that the sailors were saved and sent. Uh, so good. And so they've basically become now missionaries. They have this incredible story to tell of like, wow, we prayed to the one true God, the storm stopped, we saw his power, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So my question was, who is a missionary? Because these guys didn't become full-time missionaries after that. They didn't get paid for it. I mean, they were sailors, they had a story, but they became missionaries because of what God did in their life. So who, who is a missionary? How should we think of that? Well, I'm going to quote... Uh... When I was in a mission trip in Mexico, missionary Mike Powell uh, said to forget it, and it might not have originated from him. It was probably something that he's read because I have heard other other people say it since then. But I'll never forget him saying to us, "Everyone that you meet is either a missionary or a mission field. Everyone that you meet is either a missionary or a mission field. Every human that we meet on this earth." is either a fellow proponent of the gospel of Christ and is, and is a fellow sharer of that, or it's someone that, they, that needs to be ministered to with the gospel in whatever form. I mean, they could be Christian or non-Christian. Um, but that was just so uh, deep for me to understand. I, I like simplified things. I like, to, I like bringing things back to, you know, a couple main, like one main point or something simple that I can remember. I kind of get bogged down in a lot of details. And so for me, that was um, something I've carried with me all these years is with all my interactions with anyone. Is, all right, is this person a fellow missionary or are they mission field? And, and that in turn, perspective that in turn changes or alters how I interact with them. That's a great quote. And that's important uh, for us in, in Christian circles to remember that, that you're either a missionary or mission field. Um, it's not, there are missionaries, there's a mission field out there. And then there's me. That, that's not the right thinking. And there are full-time missionaries. There are vocational missionaries that their job is that they are a missionary, which is awesome. But like you said, yeah, just kind of remembering that simply. Yeah. Hey, I'm a missionary as well. And, and uh, understanding that that's really good. I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts on that. Looking like pastor Bonnie has a way with words, man. She just knows right, how to say it. I'm not, not going to try to follow up a quote from an that's... actual missionary. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, Mike, Mike, <laughs> Why Mike's would I awesome. do that? <laughs> <laughs> because you are also a missionary and you have, because you own... are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. All right, guys. Well, great. Hey, this has been good. Great discussion. Love talking about the message with you guys. Uh, talk about some of these questions, issues. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts. I saw some of the fun stuff going on this weekend. Saw the uh, <gasps> Palo Santa marching band. 
I saw Pastor Jamal and Naomi's TikTok. Oh my gosh, I loved that. That was, that was so great. amazing. I love. I could watch that over and over and over again. That was so good. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she's um, very observant. Um, she's just very observant. So when I first made the t- my TikTok and I just started was looking at content, just trying to like figure out what I wanted to do um, next. Um, she would just kind of always be like in like kind of like earshot of like hearing the music so then she would always like come over and creep and just watch and then one day i was just like talking to my wife i was like oh, i think i'm gonna do this TikTok, and i just started like humming the tune and she just started doing all of the all the steps wow. and so i was kind of like okay well there there's that um okay wow and then she she just was like like that i was like yeah well i guess i guess that's pretty much how it's done and um we were talking about like how to incorporate it so she 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 did it she killed it yeah well i i just it struck me how how um like your facial expressions of you like you got like she's like your mini me i thought in that in that scenario like not mm-hmm. always but well maybe always but uh, oh, wow. <laughs> no, no maybe That's a lot a though girl. there's there's a similar personality but um but no just just your guys per- facial expressions and movements and stuff i'm like i don't know i just it was like mini me it's so cute no it was cool it was yeah it was a great video that was really great so she held it down yeah she held it down but the mar the marching band though was better i saw you i saw oh, you uh, out there <laughs> Yeah, yeah that was legit. you look like you was you like you you look like you miss it. I, I do miss marching band. Mar- yeah, marching, you was up. Marching band was uh, you know how you, they say like your peak, you know, in life. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 here's what I here's what I thought. Here's what I noticed though. Here's what I noticed when I watched it. Like I, Leah's doing it, and you know she's like going through her like you know routine. I'm looking at you, and you're like locked in. Like, yeah. You're yeah. Rebecca's like, yo, like, Pastor Bonnie's rolling her feet. Like, wow. Yeah. Like I was like, yo, her form is like tight. Like she's like, yeah. Oh. I was like, yeah, you have like, it. Yeah, my uh, my uh, my high school body is definitely gone, but I still the marching band form is still incredible. <laughs> yeah, when I was in marching band, that's what that's what I noticed that whole year, maybe even the year after that my my posture was so much better yeah because you, you have to roll you have to stay straight to play your instrument and everything so i walked a lot better for a year and then and it's good exercise it's good exercise too it's really like because your posture and then you're walking and then and then breath control to play your instrument and i mean let me tell you like i can walk a mile no problem like i don't even sweat i'm not like whatever but playing my instrument and marching and we did a mile I was, I was, I was, I heard all over, I like inside and out by the end of that. So good exercise. So it could be a good new habit to pick up as a marching band, <laughs> yeah. at home marching band. Yeah, if going you're listening, around. need a habit, you're like, I'm trying to work out, been walking, it's not doing it. Play an instrument and walk. <laughs> and enter- entertain your neighbors while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. It's been great. We'll see you next time.